Welcome to Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed. I'm Faith Saley. When panelists first walk on stage during a live taping of Wait, Wait, most people get cheered, but some people get a special welcome, like Luke Burbank. This is one of those things that, like a baby, started out cute, and now I can't control it. It's now metastasized into (laughs) something totally different. And I'll tell you how I know this. We did Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me in Seattle recently at the Moore Theater. Oh, well, those are your people. You would think. It's Luke Burbank. (laughs) Hi, Mark. And when we got done with the show, I was walking off stage and a very nice older couple came up to me. And the woman said, why were they all booing you? And I said, oh, no, 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 they weren't booing me. It's, uh, it's, they're saying Luke. They're saying it out of affection. And she says, no, a lot of them were booing you, including me. <laughs> like, she thought that was the joke. There is now a, a, a segment of the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me live audience. Like, they don't know the, the original kind of start of things, the, the, the germination of this whole thing. They're just here for the part where they boo me now. And I think going forward, a larger and larger percentage of the audience will just be booing. This is my lot in life. All right. Obviously, we're here to talk about Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, being 20 and our experiences on it. But I have to ask you about your childhood. You, you, you are one of seven Burbank children. Indeed, and I'm the oldest of those seven kids. Will you please explain to people how, not only how unusual your upbringing was for anybody, but especially for someone who grows up to be a comedian? My parents met at a evangelical Christian religious commune in Northern California called the Lighthouse Ranch. It was a decommissioned Coast Guard station out in Table Bluff uh, in the part of California that is basically Oregon. So very, very rainy, uh, very cold, and very filled with the Holy Spirit. If you grew up in my household, my parents were, as they would say, on fire for Jesus. And can I tell you just a quick wait, wait related (laughs) story that I think is quite interesting. So... My dad, Walter Burbank, the way he ended up at the Lighthouse Ranch was, like many people in the 70s, he was hitchhiking around, right? He was in California, he was thumbing it, and a van pulled up, and it had a fellow from Gospel Outreach Christian Fellowship, which was the parent organization of the Lighthouse Ranch, uh, and some some apparently nice-looking Christian ladies in the van. They picked him up, and they said, hey, do you want a hot meal and a place to stay? And he said, well, absolutely. So they took him up to the Lighthouse Ranch. He eventually met my mom, and uh, they got married, and the rest is history. Cut to one time I'm backstage at Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me with Tom Bodette. And I'm talking about my parents and how they met, and Tom Bodette goes, oh, yeah, yeah, the Lighthouse Ranch. I almost went there. I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, Tom spent a lot of time in Alaska and a lot of time in Washington state and the Northwest in general. And he, back in the seventies, as people did, was hitchhiking around California and a van pulled up (laughs) with a guy driving it and a couple of nice looking Christian ladies in it. And they said, would you like a hot meal and a place to stay? And he got in the van on the way to the lighthouse ranch and like, Halfway there was like, I don't know if I'm feeling this vibe. Had them pull over and got out of the van. Had he stayed in that van, 
He'd be my dad. You would be one of seven Beaudets. Isn't that crazy? So d- does your family listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? Do they do they hear you and, and your um, not heretical but irreverent humor these days? <laughs> they will catch Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me if they are, you know, if my mom and dad are in the car and it's on the radio, they might listen a little bit. They've been to a couple shows when the show has been near uh, where they were living. But my parents are very, for for how like kind of religious they are, they're also really hard to offend, which I kind of like about them. Um, My mom, who is a very true believer to this day, also has a great sense of humor. Like sense of humor trumps all for her. And so if, uh, if if I make a joke and it's fresh, but it makes her laugh, that's acceptable to her. And so there's I've never had a moment where they've heard me, you know, making a joke or talking about religion, whether it's on the radio or even like at our house. Like we we have Burbank Family Thanksgiving. There's like 40 people there. It's like doing an episode of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Like there's a crowd. And weirdly enough, they boo me when I come in, which I think is unnecessary. <laughs> We're going to utterly pivot right now. Um, How about it? Because you've guest hosted Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. What's that like? Yes, I did. The first time that I stepped on stage as part of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me was as a fill-in host. And the reason that that was so memorable to me was because I worked at NPR as a booker for a show uh, that was produced in Los Angeles. It was a daily news show. It was called Day to Day. And the producers of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me sent around an all-staff email to, like, the whole network of NPR. And they said, hey, we're always looking for new panelists. If you have any ideas, let us know. Here's the email address. They were sending that email to me because as the booker on Day to Day, it's possible that I would have booked somebody for our show who was outgoing and funny and, like, would have been a good panelist. They were asking me to recommend someone else, probably famous, who could be on their panel. I took the email to mean, would I like to be on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me as a panelist? And I composed a killer email to them about how I would love to be a panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And let me just explain, they had never met me, they had never heard of me, they didn't know what a Luke Burbank was, and they were not interested in getting a Luke Burbank on their show. I sent this email, did not hear back for two years. The next time I heard from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, was when Mike Danforth got in touch with me and said, I've heard from our boss that you're going to be our fill-in host. What What were you doing when they asked you two years later to host the show? What had changed? Through a series of very uh, surprising uh, events, I had weaseled my way into being a kind of fill-in reporter on NPR. Um, I'd really, I'll tell you how I had made my name. I was in charge of covering the story when that woman said she found a finger in her bowl of Wendy's chili. Oh. You remember this story? Joining us now from San Jose is NPR's Luke Burbank. And Luke, there are lots of unanswered questions about this case. First, let's talk about the woman, yes. Ana Ayala. Uh, it was uh, it was a woman in California in who, who'd sued 
uh, a Wendy's location because she had found a f- human finger in her chili. And uh, and then it turned out that she had put the human finger in the chili. And then she and her husband, who had gotten the human finger from his friend at a construction site, the friend had given the human finger over as a way of satisfying a debt, which is a novel. I mean, you want to talk about Venmo. That is a novel way to sol- settle your debts. But anyway, I was I was charged with covering this finger story. When she made her claims, Wendy started going through all of its employees, checking their their fingertips. Uh, the question now is, where did the finger come from? What did police say about that? Well, they won't say exactly because they say it's an ongoing case. But uh, they did ask all the employees. They gave them polygraphs. They checked their hands as if one of them would forget if they had lost a finger into this uh, chili mixture. Um, they it was also on all things considered. Chain. It was like a live and, two-way. And I was being interviewed by Melissa Block. And the Wendy's, um, where this whole thing had gone down, uh, had offered free Frosties to try to get the customers back into the store. And as I was doing my little um, two-way conversation with Melissa Block, I said, uh, they're offering this weekend free junior, junior Frosties to anyone who comes into uh, Wendy's in the Bay Area for the entire weekend. Uh, Although, ironically, the chili is still full price. And then it was just (laughs) dead air, just total dead air. And then, like, uh, you know, they played some, like, Kronos Quartet music or something. Uh, But apparently, (laughs) someone in the higher-ups heard that and, like, thought that that was kind of funny. And so... They decided that I was someone who could maybe uh, competently host Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So in a matter of about two years, I went from sending them a totally unsolicited email uh, offering my services to actually being on the show as the host. And, And the other, the one other just little detail about this that I'll tell you is what I didn't realize was that the show actually records on a Thursday night in Chicago. And then they take out some of the mess-ups and tighten it up for time, and then it goes out to the the world that weekend. I thought the show was totally live. And I was sitting at my house in LA. I knew I was going to host it in like three weeks. And I was listening, and I was like, how is he doing this? How is it ending on a laugh every time, right when it's time for a Lumber Liquidators commercial? Like, (laughs) what? Like, I can't do this. Like, I don't know how to host this kind of thing. And I showed up in Chicago, scared S-less. And it wasn't until I had been at the offices of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me at WBEZ for like two or three hours that someone told me, no, we record on Thursday night, dummy. And that was probably the most relieved I've ever been in my life. Oh, I can't imagine that would be so terrifying. And I was supposed to be sort of driving the train, which was, uh, I mean... And again, not to get too into the mechanics of this whole thing, but I don't think anybody at Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me was like, God, you know who we should get? Luke Burbank, the guy from the Wendy's Finger story. <laughs> and so that first week that I was that I was hosting, I just was like, I got to try to win them over. And so we get to the read-through, right, which uh, on, on Thursdays, um, a few hours before the, the crowd shows up at the Chase Bank Auditorium and, and the whole thing gets going, there's a read-through. But not for the panelists. The panelists may not be anywhere near that. Exactly. Thank you for clarifying. So it's the staff of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. It's the host, which is obviously Peter most of the time. And then it's uh, these days it's Bill Curtis. In those days it was Carl Castle. And so I got the whole show in front of me. And Carl Castle's doing his part. And I'm reading all of these jokes, a lot of jokes that I've written And we do this for an hour. And I think there was probably, probably two laughs. And I was just like, can I defenestrate myself somewhere? (laughs) Like, 
what what do we do? Like, okay, obviously this can't happen tonight. We cannot do this show. Um, and then somebody pulled, I was probably Castle pulled me aside and was like, you know, uh, that's all how it always is. Don't you worry or something. And I just like, I just trembled my way onto the stage that night, did the show. It was totally fine. The panel was great per use and everything was okay. But man, I was a mess going into that. From NPR and Chicago Public Radio, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Carl Castle, and here's your host at the Chase Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Luke Burbank. Thanks, everyone. My name is Luke Burbank. I'm a reporter for NPR's National Desk. I'll be filling in for the next few weeks for the always capable Peter Sagal. Peter is putting the finishing touches on a book he's been writing. It's actually a biography tentatively titled Flintoff, an eight-letter word for love. I do think people, even if it's however many people, millions and millions strong of people who listen to the show, feel like they're part of a tribe, you know? Oh, yeah. And I take zero credit for this, right? I'm a, I'm a little spoke in this wheel that is, wait, wait, don't tell me. Uh, but uh, it's amazing to talk to the the listeners after the show and to just like see the enthusiasm in 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 their eyes and to hear their stories and how excited they are to be there and it's oh this is an anniversary present this is my 12th birthday present this is a super special event for us and 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 I said I want one thing I want to go see wait wait don't tell me to sort of like get to see how the show has worked its way into the lives of all these people over the 20 years is like it sounds kind of hokey but I mean it's like humbling right like it, to just it really like, is. Wow, we get to be a part of that yeah at a recent show there was a, a couple asking Bill and Peter to name their child the woman the woman was like a week like a do in a week and they were asking it's so sad that they had to name that kid Subaru (laughs) that's Luke Burbank coming up Brian Babylon tells me about some of his favorite audience interactions from his time on Wait Wait including one especially remarkable gift he got from a fan I got a vape pen someone gave me it's for weed paraphernalia and then she gave it to me wrapped up Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Walmart Grocery Pickup. With Walmart Grocery Pickup, you don't even have to get out of your car. Order your groceries online and then let them do the shopping and loading for you. Get fresh groceries and save time. Visit walmart.com slash grocery today and get $10 off your first order with trial code don't wait. There are more ways to Walmart. First order only, $50 minimum. Expires January 31st, 2019. Support for this podcast and the following message also come from Dreams. Remember The X-Files, the show with a never-ending supply of paranormal problems and shoulder pads? Now you can watch it for free. Dreams is broadcasting the original series on Thursdays, starting from the beginning. Dreams is a new TV channel for your phone. It's free with no login. Download the free Dreams app for iPhone or Android and tune in on Thursdays. Welcome back to Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed. I'm Faith Saley. As far as panelist origin stories go, Brian Babylon has a pretty good one. Before he joined Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Brian was already part of the WBEZ family. I had a a morning radio show at WBEZ's sister station, Vocalo, which is like the younger, browner, hipper, cooler version of public radio. So back in 2011, he already knew Mike Danforth and Ian Chillog, the senior producers at Wait, Wait. 
my cubicle actually was like one row away from those guys. And I, they saw me every day. I talked to them. Like they came to a few of my comedy shows. And one day I was in the studio. One morning I was in the, doing my morning show. And Mike and Ian usually walk around the office like Bopsy twins. <laughs> and I see them bop into, my, into the <laughs> office. And you know, have, have the, uh, and they pop in, they look in the mirror, and they see me doing my show. And they're like, I'm like, what's up? Why are you two? Why, first of all, why are you two here in the morning? They're like, they're like, uh, what are you doing tonight, man? I'm like, uh, I have a comedy show, you know, but I don't know. Why, what's up? I was like, what, do you want me to be on the panel? I say it very sarcastically because I would asked them. Plenty, I say, hey, man, if you guys need an extra panelist one day, uh-huh. give me a shot. They're like, oh, okay, Babylon, we'll see about that, whatever. And um, they came back to the studio. And they're like, yeah, we need you on the panel tonight. I'm like, are you serious? And then my co-host, Molly Adams, was like, oh, my God, it's crazy. I'm like, all right, man, uh, I'll think about it. Then... Of course, the answer was yes. I had yeah. to. How I long did you think about it? I already knew I was, I was make them sweat a little bit. I said, well, just give me, let me play another song, man. Come back. You know, <laughs> like, they came right back. And then um, I did it. And then the next week, I'm at, we're at the office. Peter said, hey, let's go to, let's go to McDonald's. Go to lunch. He took, took Oh, my gosh. Lunch. That's so public radio. Yeah. I'm going to take you out to lunch. It's McDonald's. Yeah. You know, it was like, <laughs> yeah, like it was, no, restaurant. it was like, yeah, let's go, let's go to lunch. Let's, go, let's take, 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 take a little walk. He took me for a walk. That's it's sort fun. of like how the mob mobs you in. Like, yeah. you get. Your benediction, kind of. Yeah, what is that? What do you? What does that call that when the mob? You get made. Ah. You get made. That's when the mob they make you. And Peter Sagal made me that day at lunch. All right, man. Welcome to the team. You're great. And ba da ba da boop boop. I read an interview with you. What? Here's my piece of paper. That's I'm gonna so, quote you. That is the. <laughs> I did. Are you laughing because I'm such a nerd? Or no, because... that's that's the first time anyone has ever said that to me. I read. Oh. Interview with you. I like, do my due diligence. Who the hell am I? Okay, go ahead. I Ryan would love Babylon. to hear this. Yeah, what is you it? said mm-hmm. the formula I like to tell myself is that you have to have what people assume is white guy wit with black guy swagger. I did say that. What does it mean? Well, in the comedy world, there's two worlds: urban comedy, aka black comedy, then there's mainstream comedy, which is you know. Suburban. Suburban comedy. Or, or or just even now hipster comedy, whatever that, you know. And I came up in the urban comedy world because the cl- club I started at was on the south side of Chicago, Jokes and Notes. It was across the street from my house. And I started from there. I give it up for Brian Babylon. <laughs> All right. All right. Good evening, Bronzeville. I'm Brian Babylon, the Prince of Bronzeville. I've been Bronzeville for the bougie folks since 93. What's we can, up, Brian? We can buy a building for $10. <laughs> we knew that, you know, to really, I guess, make it, make it, you have to be able to tell jokes to everybody. And my form is to have that confidence of, one thing I know about urban comedy is those people who get on those stages, they have confidence. Their, their confidence is beaming, is shining. And they might not say the most clever things, but you're still captivated for what they're doing. I want to do... The same thing for me, but put smart, clever stuff, wordplay, nerdy shit on top of that and see what I can do with it. So the confidence is the black guy swagger. I don't know, like, how does, I used to watch NBA players come into games or, you know, real good pro athletes. You know, that, that like, psh, you can't even guard me, dude. LeBron James. You know, you know how you finish the show and some people rush the stage and before we get to leave, you kind of, oh, hey, hey, how you talking to some people? Yeah. I was talking to this couple. And this guy was it was his, him and his wife, and his wife, after talking to a while, I could tell was blind, right? And this guy was talking to me. He's like, "Oh man, Babylon, I love you, my favorite man. I watch you on Netflix all the time. You're my favorite. This and that. 
oh, you're so hilarious, man. I, I was telling my friends to watch you on Netflix, and I'm thinking, oh, said, yeah. And he's like, I mean, your Showtime special? Pff, it was awesome, man. I'm like, bro, I right. have had zero specials out. And then, Did you say it? So at the same time he's saying all this, his wife is like quite like, that's not him. That's not him. Oh, my gosh. That's not him. I was like, what? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not Alonzo Bowden. She's like, I know. I know that's not Alonzo Bowden because I know his voice. His voice, yeah. She knew his voice better than he knew his eyeballs. Yeah, this man was distracted by your shared pulchritude. Yeah. She was like, that's not him. That was the funny, like, that's not him. Said, you're playing, like, you're playing yourself, baby. <laughs> Sweetheart, you're playing She's yourself. I'm trying to save him. This, I'm trying to save you. That's not him. The thing is, Alonzo and I are... Let's, for, let's describe all, you for our listeners. I'm I'm 6'3", bald, and, you know, uh, wear glasses. Alonzo is 6'4", bald. He doesn't wear glasses. Are you guys friends? Yeah. Oh, I. that's like my big bro in LA. That's like, I, let me tell you, I started stand-up comedy because of Alonzo. Really? Yeah, I saw, I saw him on Last Comic Standing, and he is a guy who has that Swagger, swagger, for sure. and the his wit is so laser sharp, and you know he's got a deep voice. He's got his presence. So, have you guys ever been on the panel together? Yeah, we did. We did the uh, we did the first all black panel. Oh, when was that? Which was was this was last year? It was Alonzo, myself, and Phoebe Robinson from Two Dope Queens, and it was That's great. Historic. It was just, yeah, it was great. First and only so far. Man, I think somebody. I think one of us replaced Maz and. Um, and we did that, yeah. So on I, an all-black panel, how all often panel. did that, the fact that you guys were all black, we, come up we during never, the show? We never mentioned it once. What I said was, wow, this is so amazing. This is the first time we have an all-left-handed panel. And everyone cracked up. <laughs> New research out this week says the secret to a long, healthy relationship, well, it's sending each other cute pictures of puppies and kittens. You know? I've been doing that for... That's how I suck them in. Really? <laughs> you just a, a puppy pick? Come on, man. Really? That's what you do? That's like... Yes. That's I've, a, I've done that multiple times. Like that's... You send them like... You send them like... You text and then like... Psh, puppy time. So really? Yeah. So that's how you get with people. And you're it's like, like hey, hi, I'm Brian. You're so, you're so crazy, LOL. You're so crazy. What's Wait, up? So you send a puppy picture. Yeah. And they go, LOL, you're so crazy. Mm -hmm. And then it's like. At the most basic thing. They're like, that is insane. You would send me a puppy pig. Yes. And, Brian, and then close off. No, no. Brian. And what is this wizardry that now, you're doing? Be, be careful how you answer this because there is a risk of prosecution. But what? <laughs> just, just how young are these girls you're sending puppy pigs to? <laughs> Because I, I date full-grown women, yeah. and the puppy try, pick try is not, it. you it's know. It speaks to, it speaks to, man, take my course. <laughs> what has been your biggest highlight on the show? Um, I don't know. I got a vape pen. And, vape and, pen? Den, in Denver. Someone gave me, it's, it's for weed paraphernalia. And then she gave it to me wrapped up. That was your gift from a fan? Yeah, like I came off stage. She happened to see me. She said, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm actually seeing you. I brought this for you. I was going to bring it to you. I had a comedy show in Denver that same weekend. She said, I was coming to your show, but I was going to bring this to your show. But I said, I'm going to give this to you. It was a, it was a gift wrapped up. It was so nice. <laughs> Wait, it was a nice, as vape pens go, it was oh, a nice vape a pen? Very, or it was a thoughtful gift? What both. do you mean? See, I it's, wouldn't know about both, vape pens. Both. But it's it's like state-of-the-art vape pen. Yeah, it's like, and, that, and it's Denver. 
So sure, it's like, they it's, know. It's, le- yeah. it's legal there. So she wrapped a vape pen from, and gave it to me. I was like, whoa, thank you. <laughs> Do you know how many times you've been on the show? No. Oh. Uh, uh, 34? 47. 47. I was going to say 50. And you have come in third place 23 times. Damn. So almost half the time. I lose. But that's, but that's okay. That's okay. I was just wondering if you care. I always know something. Yeah, of course you do. But then for a while, when I would do the show with Roxanne, I would cheat off of her. Because you know, you know she has a, a list. I, I do too. But your handwriting is horrible. Mine? Yeah, I, her handwriting is almost a savant style of so the, perfection. So let's explain this list. Yeah. The show is entirely improvised, except for the bluffs, which yeah. we write the night before. But what I do, and I guess what Roxanne does too, is I cram that day of the show and write down every headline. Every head, yeah. It's, it's that's all, it's that's all, it's, the list. That's the list. It's which isn't cheating. It's not cheating. It's just it's how just, I remember stuff. It, keep, it keeps her, you know, and she'll check it off and she'll know which one. She actually, during the show, runs, oh. runs a line through anything we've brought up. And I'm going to tell you what she does too. What? She keeps score. She keeps score? She keeps score? her own personal score. Oh, she's worse than I oh, am. She keeps her own personal I watch you, Roxanne Roberts. You keep your own personal score up there. Do you care about winning at all? No. I mean, I, I've gotten so many, not so many, I've maybe gotten maybe 11 or 12 personal emails sent to me from listeners who really are disappointed in me for not doing well on are those quizzes sometimes. Like, listen, man, you didn't know Elon Musk. Come on, Brian. I'm like, whoa, hey. I've never heard oh, of such I've gotten, a thing. Oh, I've gotten personal emails. They're like Tiger Mom and me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you respond? I was like, well, yeah, so, okay, I will. Sorry, LOL. I, you know, I'm, I can't get mad. Because people care about this show so much. People care about Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me so much. Why? I... <clears throat> I knew this was real when I was on the road and met this young lady. We're hanging out, and she told me, oh, my God, my mom's going to be so jealous because we both want to hook up with Brian Babylon. I was like, what did you say to me? I was like, what did you say to me? Oh, my gosh. So yeah, like, oh, I've already texted her a picture. She's freaking out. She's jealous. She's pissed. I'm like, First of all, who takes sneaky pictures? First of all, who takes sneaky ass pictures? First of all, and then who's having mom and me? Yeah, I was like, whoa, like, oh my god, we listen to you all the time. Blah blah. blah. That's how people care. And then people, and like sometimes you make a comment on the show, and people send angry tweets, and people get so mad at jokes that you make. I was like, hey, 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 comedy news quiz, (laughs) comedy news quiz. That's Brian Babylon. Next time on Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed, we hear from the Adams about hubris. It's kind of an interesting level of fame because it's a level of fame where nobody knows who you are. And humility. It was so embarrassing because the rooster fell asleep. I'm Faith Saley. That's next time. 